Hi, folks. How are you? Happy New Year! Um, so great. It's really exciting. I don't know how you feel, but I'm kind of, I am very happy to see the back of 2021 because for many reasons it's been atrocious. But for many reasons, we also feel very, very lucky in the fact that we've been able to keep the podcast going and hopefully provide you with a bit of escapism to, to the real world. And we want to continue that because we absolutely love making this show. So happy new year. Here uh, is to a wonderful 2022 for each and every one of you. I hope it brings you health, happiness, laughs and giggles and success in whatever it is that you want to do. Uh, I'd also like to say a massive thank you to Ben, who works on the show and just makes it wonderful to listen to and everything else he does as well apart from that um also to everyone who helps us facilitate all our wonderful guests that be film companies pr companies publicists and friends social media so uh, thank you so much to everybody who's helped us get our guests this year thanks to all our guests from 2021 and you have been brilliant and honest and entertaining thank you so much we really appreciate you giving us your time and sharing your stories with us uh, and thanks to you our audience for listening because um, we really appreciate your feedback and we really appreciate you taking the time to listen to us so thank you so much from the bottom of my heart but here is to a new year and our first guest of 2022 oh my god can't believe I'm saying that anyway our first guests of 2022 are two brothers who formed a formidable creative partnership since being given the opportunity to shine. Will and Arthur Sharp have taken on directorial and compositional duties on several joint projects with The Electrical Life of Louis Wayne, their latest collaboration. Now, it stars Benedict Cumberbatch and Claire Foy amongst an amazing collection of other acting talent a biopic that tells the story of the eccentric artist of the title who had a particular, some would say peculiar, affiliation with cats, but one that continues to be utterly inspiring, Nick Cave being a person who is continually inspired by him. Now, whilst Will co-wrote and directed the film, Arthur provided the music, and it's with his cue, I'm a woman, that we'll begin. And Arthur, um, thank you so much for being here. It's brilliant to get you both together. Um, so I really appreciate your time because I know how busy you are. Thank you. Thanks for having us. I can't even remember how long ago it was now because time just seems to have a weird time frame at the minute. It's bizarre. But it was a couple of months ago when we I was lucky enough to host a, a Q&A. 
um, for your brilliant new film. And uh, Arthur, you were you were in the audience. So I was. That, that was, was pure coincidence. Yeah. Was it weird? <laughs> weird being in the audience and being talked about and not being able to talk back. Uh, a, a bit, yeah. I'm not very good at that sort of thing, so I nearly walked out when the audience <laughs> kindly applauded me when it when the music was mentioned. Uh, well, listen, congratulations on the electrical life of Louis Wayne. It's a it's a brilliant film, and I I loved so many things about it. I loved that I felt like I was watching an experience and something that was just different. That just had a a really kind of fresh creative eye and ear across it to be honest so I, I thoroughly enjoyed it and a story I didn't know anything about oh thank you it would be um I mean it would be silly for me to go how did you guys meet but for people who are listening <laughs> um you are in fact brothers um, but when did you start working together or being creative together I mean I guess we played in uh bands together as teenagers and while I was at university you wrote some music for some of the shows I directed. And so kind of like since we were kids, I guess, is the short answer in one form or another. I think it happened quite organically because I sort of knew that's what I wanted. I knew I wanted to write music. So I was kind of uh, at that stage just writing my own stuff on a like a really sort of basic eight track up in up in the attic. And Will started sort of using some of those in his various things that he's putting on at uni uh so i think it just kind of it kind of grew from that so when you did like black pond there wasn't so much like i wasn't so much scoring it but i was one of the kind of musical team that was contributing to the soundtrack yeah uh, i think that's where it stems from really for you arthur when you say you always knew you wanted to 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 do this was there were there certain productions or films or tv shows that that were an inspiration i guess or things that kind of you were inspired by that were like yeah that's what I want to do but when I said what I knew I knew I wanted to do music I didn't know I wanted to score okay uh that happened because Will ended up in that world and I sort of gradually started working with him more I wanted to be like a front like um you know my own band and stuff uh Mm -hmm. but I I went through the the grueling life of playing pubs to three people um also I can't sing so it's probably good that that (laughs) never happened um so yeah, I don't, I don't, I guess I, um, like since then, you know, obviously there are films, uh, that, and scores that like kind of blow you away. I, so everyone loves Ennio Morricone, but I do love Ennio Morricone <laughs> just as one example. Yeah. But he's, uh, but there's, a uh, the way that, that he, for example, can sometimes mix with genre in terms of he'll create a completely different score for a genre than the actual film is, which is such a clever way and can have such a powerful way of approaching things and I think that there's a really similar thing in parts of the score for 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 the life of Louis Wayne as well in terms of it's a period piece but the way that you've used certain instrumentation cut goes against that you know that whole kind of time frame and gives that's what I think gives this film such a a kind of really fresh and contemporary feel to it in a way so I'm comparing you to any Morricone so I hope you take that as a compliment Uh, well I, I I definitely do I'm not sure I'd agree but I definitely take it as a compliment
Uh, well, with, with the, this this story and 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 this character, how how did he how did he come to 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 present himself to you in terms of the story? Because the the fascinating thing about and brilliant thing about you, Will, is you're this kind of multifaceted thing. I mean, I think a lot of people will have been introduced to you through flowers, and we'll talk to, about that in a second. Mm-hmm. You know, in terms of you know being something you created, you wrote, you directed, you were in. But this particular story, what was what was the kind of connection you had, or how did you come across this story? Um, so the original script was sent to me by Sunny March, a, a producer called Leah Clark, and so from Benedict Cumberbatch's production company. Um, and I think probably like most of the audiences, I recognised Louis Wayne's pictures, but I didn't know him by name and I didn't know anything about his life story. And I think the first thing that struck me was that how there was this kind of tension, if you like, between on the surface of it, these very playful tableau of cats and kittens doing often quite human things, playing snooker and badminton and gambling in bars. But then occasionally there'd be an inscription or some little detail that betrayed this underlying fragility or vulnerability, I guess. And and the more I read about his life, the more I just found him to, A, have just led a genuinely remarkable life. And also I just found him to be quite an inspiring figure, I guess. And so somewhere along the way, as with all projects that you end up working on, I just sort of fell in love with him. I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I really wanted to, I really wanted to try to understand him, I guess, because it would be easy to write him off as just um, the strange guy who painted a lot of cats for most of his life. But that's the thing is you have given him this kind of, this, this kind of beautiful depth and, and just, um, I, I just kind of have everything's thrown at him. I don't know. He just seems kind of, can I can get through anything to be honest. And I think a lot as well as down to Benedict's performance as well and what he brought to, to that yeah. character, you know, was that a collaborative process in terms of, of coming to that kind of final decision of, because I know he's a producer on it as well in terms of the look of the film and, and how it wanted because the easy option would have been for this to be a, a really kind of bog standard sure. biopic, but it's not, it's so much more. I mean, it was a really lovely collaboration with Benedict. And I think as soon as we started talking about it, I felt like we were on the same page. We wanted to tell an empathetic story. I could tell that he also really loved this guy and really wanted to tell his story. But I guess after a certain point, you know, he left me to collaborate with my team uh, and was, you know, always, I thought, interested and kind of hungry curious to understand the vision for every scene Um, and of course we rehearsed together and we would talk about the performance um, aspect but in terms of the sort of aesthetic the visual world of it the script the storytelling like the score he he um, kind of left me to it for the most part but he was very supportive you know as a producer did you talk about music with him at all I don't think so I'm trying to think like because occasionally I would you know like my process if you like or how I like to work is to have everybody absolutely in the same sphere on the same team and cross-pollinating ideas and so I will send Arthur the script quite early on and then Arthur will start sending me ideas sort of little sketches and often I'll share that with the production designer the DP you know if we're driving around on recce's I might you know, just play them in passing. If we're stuck in traffic, this is something that was sent my way. And at the same, also I'll be sending Arthur photos from our recce's and any sort of story, whatever is helpful, feels helpful. Um, and so every now and again, I will play some music um, or, you know, early versions of the music on set. 
but I don't think uh, Ben. I, from what I remember, he never sort of fed back on the score. He was always, you know, as with everything else, interested um, and, you know, wanted to hear it and was enthusiastic about it. But um, he never gave any notes on it. When you're when you're sending Arthur, you know, a, a script with an idea of kind of coming up with a with his kind of his thoughts and and ideas on it, do you have an idea in your head of what you're expecting, or do you kind of almost kind of wait for that to come back? With Louis Wayne, I think we normally have a sort of conversation, and I'll try not to be. I mean, and Arthur, you can correct me if I'm wrong about any of this. I try not to be sort of say too much in the first instance, but quite quickly we'll start talking. You know, for instance, with this film, we talked about, you know, that it's a period piece. It moves through different periods. It's sort of epic life story. It wants to have some emotional depth and breadth and scale. But, you know, we were also talking about this kind of Wayne's world that we were trying to create, trying to infuse the world with Louis Wayne's own sensibilities in his own tone and his own visual style and uh, so sort of how to work that mischief or that playfulness in mm. also wanting it to have a bit of a sort of modern streak and then I guess the main thing was this idea of electricity and so Louis Wayne was somebody who genuinely in his lifetime believed he was a man of many theories including that cats would eventually walk on their hind legs and talk in human language um, but one of them was uh, that there was a force in the air that he called electricity and he'd talk about good electricity and bad electricity. And he saw this as kind of the key to understanding everything. He thought it was kind of what the world ran on. And this being a love story at its core um, and a story, I guess, about grief in some ways um, as mm. a form of love, it felt and how we in the, you know, in the script and in the story tried to tie electricity to those themes, to that romantic story, it felt like it was a key thing to nail down. And so I remember you, Arthur, early on saying, well, you know, the obvious way to go is synthesizers. So I think we should probably not do that. Um, and, <laughs> I love that. And trying to find <laughs> other more kind of organic ways of capturing that feeling of electricity and finding the right instruments to sort of carry those motifs.
what was it? There was like an instrument you found called the Ondas Martina or something. This sort of way out Onda of Martina. our budget. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. So that's quite, it's quite similar to the, uh, it's like sort of a weird keyboard where you attach your finger to a string or something. So uh, I, don't, I think Johnny Greenwood plays it quite a lot. Uh, <laughs> um, like on How to Disappear Completely, I think. Uh, but I didn't. I didn't use that in the end. Um, but it were uh, at, in those early stages. I was sort of doing a lot of research in sort of slightly bizarre instruments that were kind of starting to appear towards the end of Louis's life and maybe a bit afterwards, uh, which included that uh, an absolutely mad instrument called the Troutonium. Uh, which I, I can't even begin to explain, really. But uh, <laughs> where do you find all these instruments? I didn't actually find them physically. There's about three Troutoniums in the world, I think. Um, oh, but wow. just, just, just like you know, I, I, that might be made up. I might be completely wrong about that. Uh, but you know, just when you go in your little sort of wormholes on on YouTube or on the internet uh, or whatever. But I think the theremin was something uh, that was one of the you know obviously theremin's a bit better known, but that was one of the instruments amongst all of those. So that was definitely something that was discussed at a pretty early stage in those kind of early mock-ups that I was doing. It was kind of, a, well, let's see what kind of sound this creates. Let's see if it feels right for the film. And I think what we both discovered, which we didn't sort of, I don't think we thought this was, um, we, it wasn't suggested because we thought it would do this, but I think what we both mm. disco- discovered was how emotive an instrument it can be the way it kind of swoops and glides, it's almost more so than anything else. It's sort of really close to the human voice. It sounds like a kind of warped version of the human voice, just naturally. And and I think because of that, it can it can really sort of emote in the same way that the human voice can. So I think we quite quickly discovered that for those reasons, it was a very, it felt like a really appropriate instrument for the score. And and then that added to the idea that you were talking about earlier on, about kind of mixing the period idea with a slightly more sort of modern sounding sensibility and trying to marry those two um, ideas together. Do you think it sounds like a cat as well? I think it sounds a bit like a cat. Yeah, I think. <laughs> it de- yeah, it definitely does. That, that was another thing that I think sort of conveniently we kind of arrived, I was like, hang on a minute, it's being a bit catty here. Uh, in Yeah, not in the sort of meow sense. Uh, in the good, yeah, well, the there's good sense. cat noises and there's bad cat noises. Yeah. This is the good <laughs> cat noises. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, the other thing that you've said before, Arthur, I remember you saying at the time that I really like about it is the other instrument that carries the electricity motif is the musical saw. 
and both the theremin and the musical saw are instruments. You know, the theremin in particular is traditionally used in sci-fi and it's kind of sort of pigeonholed as this specialist oddball instrument um, that is just used for weird things. And mm. as with the character of Louis Wayne, who you could easily reductively write off as just a weirdo and move on, I felt like what I really love about this score and, and how you use those instruments also was that it, it, as you say, found a way to make that slightly unusual sound emotive and mm. to, see, to discover what's beautiful about that instrument in the same way that we, with Louis, uh, were trying to work out well, what's underneath you know, the surface of this, you know, he, he's the guy who draws cats, but how did he become that person? What's the story, you know, with Emily um, and whatever else, you know, with his family that led to him um, being handed that destiny, if you like. So there's something that I really like about that, just sort of conceptually. Um, mm. And like you say, I, I really like in the second half of this film, when Louis is really trying to, I guess, come to terms with his own, you know, struggles with mental illness, his own mind, and also principally his grief, the loss of his wife, Emily. It comes to like having associated those sounds and those motifs with um, Claire Foy's character. Once she's gone, I think there's something really lovely about how it almost feels like she's calling to mm -hmm. him from beyond the grave. And so it, it does sound sort of like a voice, but like a kind of um, ethereal version of it, I guess. Kind of ghost-like, isn't it, in a way? The piece popular Wayne, I think it's called. It starts with a theremin and then it has this kind of 
this these the, the kind of strings kind of and I, I love almost like the way the theremin at times almost feels like it's kind of cuddling the kind of traditional instruments in a way and you know it's kind of almost welcoming them in in a way and and kind of works as a beautiful kind of um I don't know just makes them feel softer and makes them feel kind of welcome I don't know if that sounds weird but that's like kind that. of what I yeah I kind I of that's with, okay thanks <laughs> <laughs> but I love that 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 cue because then it goes into this really kind of fun sort of rhythmical piece got such a gorgeous journey that cue just on its own and popular way and the, vo- the use of voices in there as well I just think there's the, the layers on that piece in itself are just absolutely incredible. because you've talked about the human voice a little bit there sort of thing and and Arthur just going back to that thing where where Will's sending you this the script and you're reacting to it what was your reaction to that in terms of what did you hear you know this 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 score or this film sounding like that's a very difficult question because it's really long ago now um I I guess there was a journey though as well in terms of what how it started to then how you ended up recording as well no hugely so uh like uh, as well said he doesn't he doesn't want to give too much away to begin with so i i think like when you send the script i reckon that's the stage where you don't say anything in the in the first stage um and after i read the script uh you know will will ask me what i'm hearing and then he also go well i'm hearing this and then we'll kind of go okay well where's the kind of middle ground between that also very eclectic kind of playlists as well um because yes. I think you kind of hear you hear one thing, but you also hear this thing. So I mean, the, these I don't think are actual examples on Louis Wayne, but I can't remember what were. But for example, like you know, there'd be Beethoven and the Spice Girls on the same playlist, and it'd be like, okay, right. uh, I, I'm percent <laughs> sure Spice Girls weren't on the Louis Wayne playlist, but uh, just as an example, yeah, there'd checking. Be, <laughs> there, <laughs> but there'd be there'd be extremes, and usually it would just be like one element or something. But you don't want to you don't want to say what that element is. Um, is to see what I think, you know, what I take away from it and so on. So I, I think, think sometimes I... it probably is unhelpful. I'm just like enjoyed listening to something and I'm like, oh, pop it on the playlist. <laughs> Possibly. But, it, but, if it's, but, that's, but if it's unhelpful, then um, we can sort of find, find that out when you reject yeah. something I've written. <laughs> <laughs> oh, harsh. That must be harsh. When there's a Spice, Actually, when there's honest, a spice Girl sample. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
there isn't there isn't usually two i don't think there's not normally any rejections it's usually like okay we'll see mm-hmm. uh and then it, yeah. it it quietly gets swept under the carpet i mean one of the nice things i think or the reason why i f- it works for me and you know i can't i sort of if i do have such a thing as a voice i always think that arthur's music is basically part of that voice is because first of all i think there is i guess some kind of innate and this is true of other collaborators that i work with you know um you know including for example eric wilson the dp who joined me on landscape as well there's a kind of shorthand where i can say something that i feel like I'm trying to express all the thoughts I have and all the ambitions I have for something. Um, but I feel like it's quite a confusing mix. But you seem to be able to decode that and to understand what I'm trying to express on some level. And also, I guess, like, we're not the Gallaghers. Like, we don't ever have any... Maybe we should have more fights to just to, to create a narrative or something. But generally, <laughs> it's like... It's just kind of fairly easy, kind of like, do you agree? Do you disagree? And we can just be quite frank and quick about, you know, evolving cues and, you know, evolving the sound of a score. Um, And also just, uh, I guess, the the time and the investment. I think, you know, we spend a lot of time together when we're scoring, um, you know, less so maybe during the pandemic, but uh, as much as we can trying to be Mm. in the same room massaging things trying different things out and that's maybe something that you know i wouldn't have with some you know with someone else yeah Do you mind um, talking a little bit about a couple of the specific cues as well, please, um, Arthur? Like that popular Wayne, for example, which is one of my favourites on there. Would you would you mind just sort of talking about the kind of, I guess, the construction of it, but also the the positioning of it and what you reacted to in terms of that specific cue? Well, with popular Wayne, obviously, the thing that sort of jumps out is that the, the meow, the vocals that go meow meow, uh, which um, <laughs> will. I, that was one of the uh, one of your earliest things that you were seemingly sure you wanted, and I assumed it was a joke. I think a lot of the time, uh, either that or I was I was kind of avoiding it for <laughs> for quite a while, and we didn't know which cue was definitely going to go during that passage because it's it's uh, just after Emily's death. Louis is sort of jumped a bit in terms of whether he's losing the plot a bit partly because you know he's getting more surrounded you know, this sort of cat insanity at that stage uh and also because he's grieving mm-hmm. uh, so it was kind of like trying to i think you're thinking well at least what i took away from it was that 
this is a scene where he's surrounded by cats and they are animals that he really relates to and he does really sort of love them but actually at this stage they suddenly becoming kind of overwhelming and i think he, the thinking was that in the same way the vocals you sort of think oh that's a bit quirky or whatever and then by the end it, it almost turns on you you're almost betrayed by what was seemingly a bit of light-heartedness at the start so i think with that one that was the idea i think i wrote it first as a musical piece and then mm -hmm. we were trying you know we were trying to find the right tone musically that would work in that scene that opening piece on the score as well electricity um which is just the most beautiful kind of sensual piece of music it's so like i it took me about eight attempts to listen through this because i kept just going back to listen to track one on the score as well it's been lovely to listen to the score as just a, an album as well that's been so nice oh so great I was like, oh i need some more of this please and just kept going back and just re-listening to to that first track because it's such a beautiful piece of music I don't know is it, is it hard opening a film and knowing what the you know what, the first piece of music that you hear in a film it sets a tone it says a lot or it can say a lot and I was interested to talk to you about where you wanted to first put a piece of music what that was going to be and kind of how you wanted it what you wanted it to say really without because you don't want it to give too much away of the narrative and the story of the characters it's do you talk about that? Is that a fair kind of question or observation? And no, it is. And I think a lot of, you know, the first thing you talk about is do you need music here or not? And I think in the case of Louis Wayne, as we tightened the film in the edit, the spaces mm. between the cues got smaller. And so occasionally we'd have to readdress the kind of spacing. Um, but in terms of the opening track, um, I'll let you speak to it musically, Arthur. But I think I'm right in, am I right in saying that there came a point where we wanted to try to find what is the sound of, I don't know if it, if it started with grief or love, but just basically trying to find what is the sound of this electricity. And it didn't originally have a place really. Um, but I remember, did you write it for the saw first or the ceremony? Can you remember? I, I think that one I wrote imagining the saw playing it yeah. which which it does in the end the sort of main and um, and and it immediately just felt like all the things that we talked about uh, it felt like it mm. was yearning and it was mysterious and it was emotive and it was kind of idiosyncratic but also beautiful and um, i my memory is of first trying that over like the period when louis is kind of lost in westgate on sea with his family and he's kind of been through that giddy astronomic rise to success yeah. and is now kind of adrift uh, with his family not sure what to do having lost his wife and i don't think we ended up using it in that in that passage of the film in the end but um we, we didn't it, it was legs. 
Yeah, yeah what well, I think the original when I originally wrote it, it was a kind of I think it was more like a sort of six minute suite. And part of the reason why you had it there was to span a quite long right. passage of the film. And I think that suite ended up being cut up and it I think all of it basically survived in some form or other, but it's used throughout throughout now. So I think the original piece I wrote, you know, there's obviously the beginning and, and the end uh, very obviously sort of similar versions mm. to each other, but it's kind of used throughout. And I think we realised it needs to be at the sort of most important moments where he's either, where I think we, we wanted Emily, whether she was present or not uh, physically, but also sort of atmospherically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so our version of it that then kind of shoots off in its own direction happens during the, the, the montage over the seasons, which I think is my favourite moment of the film. I guess it's associating that motif that theme and that instrument with the idea of electricity which is first mm -hmm. introduced at the beginning as well yeah No, you know, like what you were saying about the hug. I sometimes like to think of like that with the theremin and the saw that it's kind of like you've got the, you know, the sort of done up orchestral instruments who normally yeah. will lead a piece. And it's like, no, no, guys, we're going to ask the goth <laughs> in the hoodie instrument to come and lead this one, actually. And I quite like that they get their sort of time. Yeah. Before we run out of time as well, I'm excited to see um, landscapers as well. You both mentioned it. What can you tell me about it? It's, it's, I mean, it's you guys back again with, with Olivia Coleman, who obviously we work with in Flowers. Tell me, what can you tell us about Landscapers? Um, it's a, it's a sort of romantic psychodrama that mm -hmm. is also kind of a true crime drama. Um, right. But it's probably not what you think it will be. And I guess, so it's the story of Susan and Christopher Edwards who uh, were arrested for a double murder, having buried two bodies in a backyard in Mansfield and uh, been on the, on the run, as it were, for 15 years. And it's kind of the unpacking of that case, but also an exploration of their relationship. Um, and in terms of the music, um, Susan Edwards in particular was fascinated by old westerns mm -hmm. um, and sort of classic Hollywood movies. They were both avid collectors of kind of Hollywood memorabilia. And so the score is kind of infused with those 
with those influences and nice yeah it was quite a fun one uh musically Is that a nice thing, Arthur, in terms of there being a, I don't know, being a being a landscape there, I guess, as for part of the score for you? It's it's a nice guide, but it's also quite difficult because if, the one thing we both knew was we didn't want to just sound like, we don't want the music to just <laughs> sound like it's this or that, you know, calling back exactly to this or and so on. You know, sometimes it, it goes a bit closer to a certain genre or whatever, but we also wanted to th- there to be a definitive sound that was the landscape of sound so i think the way we saw it was this kind of the the classic cinema kind of sound that um susan is so like enamored with and then there's the landscape of sound and the score is everything from both extremes and in between so you know she's imagining these are romantic her own romantic life is is like a hollywood movie but then there's just something from this side the landscape as well that's absolutely kind of peppering it with problems uh and then the the constant series of kind of constant push and pull between her romanticized dreams and what's actually happened which is that you know they're they're being accused for a double murder
Is performance influence what you what you what you write at all? What do you mean by right to performance? In terms of when you are you you know you obviously will give you script early on. Do you get sent dailies? Are you sent kind of see, you know yeah. kind of things? And does that then kind of influence you know a character's theme or 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 anything around that? Or, or are you more writing towards the kind of bigger picture of the? It's it's both. It's like it's definitely really helpful to write before there's picture because mm-hmm. you you write musically then. Um, and, you know that's why sometimes you do sort of if you're writing just a picture you you then listen to it as a piece of music and you're just like that's rubbish and it, like it works under the picture it's sort of doing this or that but it's not a musical piece it's almost sound design kind of thing but equally uh you know once the dailies and the assemblies do start coming I will always make sure I'm sort of involved in those and from the very first stages of editing I'm sort of getting the early mock-ups of the episodes and so on and he's trying out stuff that I've already written and I'm sort of playing around with that and using that to sort of guide me and then sometimes I'll find a scene and go I don't think that's the right piece we haven't got the right piece yet and and sometimes I think there's a couple of moments on this series where there will be scenes where I'll just be like I know exactly what I want to try here like the one where Uh are we avoiding spoilers or (laughs) not really I don't think it matters uh like like there's a scene in the myth where Susan shoots her mum the myth is like this sort of fictional world where they're kind of recounting the stories in the series and I remember watching it was possibly from the dailies it was probably from as early as that or maybe it was the assembly actually and I remember emailing Will quite soon after watching that going I know exactly what I want to do here which is essentially as little as possible you know to get away with the most minimal I can get away with because their acting uh, in that scene is unbelievable so I wanted that to, you know, I could tell that we just wanted to keep hold back as much as possible, but ultimately end up at a spot where someone shot someone. So it was like trying to be as patient as possible and not realizing how you got to quite such a stage by the end. I mm-hmm. kind of wanted it to creep up on you, like the scene, like the scene does. So yeah, that was one where I kind of really, I really wrote like wrote a picture. I was hugely inspired mm. by the picture. I think another one which is my favorite scene of the whole series is when Lansing breaks the walls down in the interrogation room and takes Susan through her version what Lansing uh the police police officer thinks happened I think that was another one which I definitely either wrote to a picture or wrote based on the picture sort of what I imagined I think it's yeah. my favorite scene of the whole series 
it's my Christmas binge watch. I'm, um, I'm, I've been holding off because I kind of want it. I, when I get up to Scotland on the 23rd, I'm like, okay, me time. Here we go. Um, I can't wait. And um, also, um, Arthur, I want to say as well, I'm, I loved Guilt. I was a big fan of oh, season thanks. one and just um, love what you did with, the, with, with season two. I just thought, yeah, it's such a great show. It really kind of raised the bar, I think, as well, particularly on kind of Scottish productions as well in terms of, of you know, kind of look what we can do. Uh, and it really has kind of given a lot of people a kick up the arse, which is only a good thing. <laughs> um, but not that they, not that everyone needed it, but I just think it was kind of like, whoa, this really sort of kind of you know slapped people in the face. Was like, this is brilliant, and yeah, I I was one of those annoying people that we just ignored everybody. So I, I watched episode after episode after episode, just another one, just another one. <laughs> um, so yeah, I loved it. Um, listen, we've run out of time, but it's so great to get to chat to you both, and I, I'm just so excited for this. For you both individually, but both it's this relationship and where it goes and and what you create together because it's been a, a brilliant and entertaining journey so far. So uh, I'm looking forward to to seeing what's next. If people haven't seen Flowers yet, go back and just give yourself the joy of Flowers, and uh, and definitely make sure you go and see the Electrical Life of Louis Wayne. Well, and Arthur, thank you so much for your time, um, and I look forward to getting the chance to chat to you again at some point. Thank you so much. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Merry Christmas. Merry <laughs> Christmas. Yes. From the electrical life of Louis Wayne, that's the title track rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with Will and Arthur Sharp. My huge thanks to the hugely likeable, talented, adorable brothers for taking the time to talk to us. Louis Wayne is on general release now. Go and see it. It is wonderful and such an escape film as well. The world that Will has created is just a beautiful journey. So I highly recommend that you go and see it in the cinemas. Arthur's score is available via Studio Canal under exclusive license to Sony Music Entertainment. Now you can head to edithbowman.com to hear every single episode of Soundtracking. Mr Benedict Cumberbatch has yet to join us, but I shall work on that. But Michael Price, the man who composed the score for Sherlock, has, along with 250 odd others from the worlds of film, music and TV. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK and please do subscribe to our YouTube channel for plenty of extra content. I promise over the next couple of days, I am going to upload a wave of wonderful visuals for you guys to check out. So in the meantime, get subscribing and you'll get a notification as soon as new material gets up there. Next up, very excited to welcome back a friend of the show and someone I absolutely adore spending time with. In fact, he just misses out on this being his second appearance in a year, but he was on in 2021. And it's a joy to welcome back in 2022, Nicholas Brittell. Just a couple of small things to speak to him about. Succession, 
and the brilliant Adam McKay Don't Look Up, which stars everyone from Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Meryl Streep, Kate Blanchett, Jonah Hill, Mark Rylance, to name but a few, and it's causing a fair bit of controversy at the minute, but well worth seeing. So Nicholas Brattel joins us next week on our latest episode of Soundtracking. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. <laughs> <laughs>